This morning's reading can be found from Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 1, and can be found on page 1015 of the Church Bibles. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Thank you, Emily. Now, when we uh, see on our television screens, we, we see the, the leaders and kings and queens uh, traveling. Uh, we often see them in some sort of usually impressive vehicles, don't we? So, of course, the, the president most famously has Air Force One, Marine One, and, uh, and then that's the, the beast uh, in front of him, some sort of James Bond-esque car that can send out oil slicks, has uh, got eight-inch thick doors, its own oxygen supply. You know, it even carries a, a pint of the president's blood in there, uh, just in case it's needed. It, it's kind of an impressive sort of vehicle. Uh, and then even our own queen, uh, you know, this, uh, I think this car's worth about 10 million pounds. Again, has hugely reinforced uh, armor on the outside, has extra large windows uh, so the queen uh, can be visible. Uh, and that's when she's driving in motorized form. Obviously, sometimes she goes in something like this, uh, which is even more uh, sort of discreet uh, and going on. Uh, you know, it's, it's get sort of impressive, doesn't it? Uh, they want to be known. And even if you go back in time, uh, we had things like this, you know, where leaders would be carried along on seven chairs. Uh, leaders often travel, uh, kings, queens often travel uh, in a way that people know they're coming. And then there's Palm Sunday. Jesus, the day we remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And this is a different day. But let's pray uh, as we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. And we pray this morning that as we look at your words, uh, you may help us with perhaps a familiar story just to get underneath it once again, to, to get again a fresh glimpse of you and to see something more of your goodness today. Amen. Uh, the triumphal entry is one of ten uh, events that are recorded in all four of the Gospels. Uh, there are two before it. So that's uh, Jesus starting his ministry in Galilee uh, and the feeding of the 5,000. And then the, the other seven come afterwards uh, in Holy Week, the building up from sort of Palm Sunday uh, to Easter Sunday uh, itself. 
these events obviously have great significance to the life of Jesus. And so Palm Sunday being one of them has a, a great significance. But our, our job this morning is not to say, well, then let's just patch them all together. Let's see what Matthew, Mark, Luke and John say. And then we're going to come together and have one sort of series of events that is the definitive Palm Sunday account. That, that's not what we're meant to do. No, we're meant to say, okay, this is what Mark is telling us. What, what does he say? What, what, what doesn't he say? And actually with Mark, that's most obvious, the question of what he doesn't say, what he leaves out. Because here's what I think Mark is almost getting at. I don't think it's the triumphal entry. I think it's the untriumphal entry. The untriumphal entry. Jesus comes, and, and as you'd expect, he's in complete control. Verse 2. Um, Go to the villages ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt that tied there, which no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And then, surprise, surprise, verse 4. They went and found a colt outside on the street, tied to the doorway. What Jesus says happens. Uh, and then uh, they ask the people, and, and they give the words that Jesus said. Uh, to tell them, it, it all happens as Jesus says. Jesus gets on the donkey. Uh, he rides into Jerusalem. He, he rides with a crowd. Uh, and the crowd of people probably weren't locals. They probably weren't there especially to meet Jesus. Uh, they were a crowd of Galileans like Jesus traveling down uh, into Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, and he's entering there with them. Uh, and then they start shouting out, uh, laying their cloaks on the floor and, and crying out greetings uh, that were quite common uh, when people came in as pilgrims. And they probably weren't necessarily sending them directly to Jesus. Uh, and then the very end, Mark just shifts the camera. Verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He, he looked around at everything, but since it's really late, he went on his way to Bethany of the Twelve. The camera just suddenly moves. There's no crowds. There's no uh, crying. There's no shouting. There's no, certainly no donkey. He's by the temple, alone with his disciples, and then just goes off. It's the untriumphal entry. Now, if I was to sit down and say, sermon over, job done, you go, well, Ben, that's... that's Probably, um, probably not just simply your worst sermon. It's probably the worst sermon ever given. You've, you've just, you've just taken apart a passage which I thought I knew and you've said absolutely nothing about it. But on the face of it, that's exactly what happens. It, it is an untriumphal entry. Uh, this is not the moment that Jesus is coming saying, I am king. This is not him publicly coming saying, I'm the Messiah. If it was, then surely when we got to the trial scene a week or about a week later, then they'd go, look, Jesus, look what you did when you came into Jerusalem. You were saying you're king, and now, look, look defend yourself. But we have none of that in the trial scene. They're, in fact, they're trying to trump up charges. This is not Jesus publicly saying, I'm the Messiah. So what's going on then? Well, there's a lot of times when we read accounts in the Gospels, we just have to go down a level. Just pull back the page 
peel over a layer. And we do see that Jesus is in control. He says, doesn't he, there will be a donkey. Now, we don't know if this is supernatural or not. It might have been that, that actually he, he supernaturally foresaw there'd be a donkey there and so told the disciples there'd be a donkey and there was. Or it may have been that actually he arrived in Bethany uh, earlier, a month or so earlier, and just happened, regularly went in Jerusalem and saw the donkey there. Now, we don't know, but it doesn't matter. He's in control. And his words, actually, are listened and obeyed. What he says happens. Not just to the donkey, but with the disciples. What he says happens. His words have an authority, have a weight. Just like a king. Uh, and then he is, uh, he is riding on a donkey, which is, again, a really funny choice, isn't it? I mean, if you are kind of... It's not your natural mode of transport, particularly a donkey that's never been ridden. It's a very funny choice. Unless you have Zechariah 9.9 in your mind. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt. The foal of a donkey. Funny choice. Unless he's a king. Uh, and then we have all the, the cloaks and the floor and the, the palm branches. Again, what, what's going on there? It's a bit of a funny scene. Like, why would it happen? Unless we have two kings, nine Verse 13 in mind. Uh, This is the story of Jehu. uh, And his soldiers, after hearing he's king, they do this. Uh, They quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. And they blew their trumps and shouted, Jehu is king! It's a bit of a funny thing to happen. uh, To have the cloaks spread in front of them so that he could walk on them. And lest he's a king. And then there's the shouts of the pilgrims that, that we had earlier. Uh, it was common for, for pilgrims, they went to Jerusalem, to be shouting parts of Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They would often declare those as, as pilgrims came. And so when they shout out, Hosanna, which uh, literally means, Lord, save us, that's a quote from Psalm 118, verse 25. Or when they shout out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Psalm 118, verse 26. Uh, and then, then blessed is he who comes in the name of the father David. That, well, that's not from the Psalms, but it's, it's not a, a messianic title. It's not the son of David. They're words that, that they're not sort of crying out at Jesus. They're, they're more crying out to the Lord saying, Passover's coming. Lord, come and save us. But maybe at that moment, they're actually shouting out more than they know. Maybe at that moment, uh, their words which they're crying out in a sort of a vain expectation the Lord may do something. Maybe they're crying those out when right in front of their eyes, the flesh and blood that stands before them 
is a man who's come to do that. But not just a man, a king. I said before that this is the, the, the untriumphal entry. And on the face of it, that's what it appears to be. But just like when you have those, you might go to an escape room or you, uh, you see things in the crystal maze and they've got these different challenges to do and all the clues are in front of you, you've just got to see them. Here, all the clues are in front of us. They're right there. We've just got to see them. We've just got to turn the page, dig a bit deeper, and then we see that actually this is not an untriumphal entry. Uh, This is the greatest entry that's ever happened. Uh, This is because God's king is indeed coming. This is God's king who's come. This is the greatest entry there ever was. But so what? So what? Thanks for the history lesson, Ben. Nice to know. But so what? Well, the, the Bible is, is not so much about, uh, here's a, a list of statements about God, and then here's what you've got to do. The Bible's not really about that. There's a few of those in there, but, but really, the, the, the Bible's a story. The Bible is the story of how the Lord made, loved, wooed, saved his people. And this little passage here, these 11 verses in Mark's gospel, this little section is taking us from all of the ministry that Jesus has been involved in, the healings, the teachings, and it's transitioning us towards the cross, to his execution and judgment in Jerusalem. This little story is helping us to see more of who our king is. And as we do that, there are just two things that I think this story is trying to help us to remember and understand. The first is that Jesus is always in control. Now, he does that in little ways in this story, doesn't he? Like little ways, like saying there'll be a donkey there, and there is. That, that is a little way. But he does it in a big way in the fact that his whole life is pointing to this moment. Uh, he arrives in Jerusalem at just the right moment. Uh, he arrives uh, to, to come at just the right time. Uh, Jesus, uh, there is not one moment of Jesus' life which is outside of his hand. Whether that is finding the donkey on the road, whether that is uh, about not being made king at that right moment, uh, whether that is about arriving in Jerusalem, uh, whether that is about being arrested in the garden, whether that is about even giving up his own life unto death, everything is in his hands. There's not one point when Jesus is not in control. And that's just as true today. Now, we say that a lot, don't we? Jesus is in control, don't worry. But just think about it for a moment. Every conversation you have, Jesus is in control of. 
every journey you make, Jesus is in control of. At every moment you're at work or with your family, every newspaper article you read, every piece of news you watch on your television screens, Jesus is in control of. Now, there may be times, like just like our story, it seems like it's, there's not much going on, or how can he be in control of it? There may be times when we, we watch what's happening on the news and our hearts break. That we may be dumbfounded and clueless. But just like in our pastors, we, we need to sometimes to pull the page over, to peel back the layer, and to be reminded, Jesus is in control. There is not one moment when his sovereign good hand is not under the situation. And if we, the more we embed that, then imagine how it might be when we do see those atrocities in Ukraine. How we want to plead, saying, Lord, you are in charge. Act, please. How we have that, 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 that challenge that comes our path in life. When we don't know what to do. When that, that situation in our family. We say, Lord, I, I'm stuck. But you're in control. When we're worried... Uh, we want to invite someone to Alpha, but we're worried how they're going to react, and we think that it's going to just destroy our world, maybe even theirs. And we say, no, Lord, you're in control. There is not one moment of our whole existence where the Lord's hand is not there. And this little story reminds us of that. Jesus, King Jesus, is always in control. But then secondly, King Jesus has come as a servant to save his people. On the way in, you may have been given uh, one of these. If you do, just just grab it in your hand. Um, I'm a bit of a fiddler anyway, so I always like to fiddle with things. But just hold it. Because when we... When we see Jesus coming in here, he's not coming on a war horse. He's not coming with with sword in hand, ready to strike down the Romans and overthrow uh, the Jewish leaders. No, Jesus came not with sword in hand, but with a spear in his side. He came uh, not with a display of power, but with a display of humility. Of servitude. He came to a cross. Which is why we have these palm crosses. Remember that, that Jesus is coming in as the king who's in charge, but he's coming in as the king in charge who came to suffer and die. Now, don't misunderstand me. There will be a day when Jesus will come with a sword. When he will come as the conquering king, as, as when we say the creed, he's come to be the judge of the living and the dead. There will be a day when he comes. And you don't want to face him 
on that day. But now he's coming as a humble servant. Jesus' most natural position to you this very morning is with arms outstretched saying, come, come, come. I've come, uh, Mark 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man came, did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The most natural position of Jesus today is with arms outstretched saying, come to me. I've come not to be overbearing and oppressive. I've come not to make your life hard and a pain. I've come to first and foremost serve, to give my life as a ransom for you so that you may be of my family. And as we hold these uh, palm crosses, we're reminded of that. And maybe you want to take it home and just stick it somewhere this week where you see it often. And you remember, Jesus came to serve and not be served. He came as a servant to save his people. So what does this was? So as we come to a close, what does it mean today? Well, the first is to remember that Jesus is in control. That whatever you're thinking of now, whatever you're facing this afternoon, whatever you're facing this week, he is with you. And he will bring you home. And the reason we know that is because he's the king who came to serve his people. So if you go into our week and we are thinking of what lays ahead, have confidence in that. When you face the tough situations, when you face that opportunity to maybe to to speak of someone, speak to someone of the Lord Jesus, to to invite uh, the Easter services, to invite along to Alpha, it's not your work, it's his He's the king who's in charge. He's the king who came to be the servant to save his people. You will be okay because your king has your back. Because he has come as the king who's in charge to be your servant, to bring you into his family. What great news Palm Sunday is. It is the triumphal entry of the servant king who's come to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let us pray as we close. Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has come to to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, we thank you that means each of us here. And we pray this day that we may cling all the more tightly to that truth. We may know that you are the king who is in control and we'll be motivated to live, to speak for you this day, this week and always. Amen.